This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Rush swept the Mammoth and the Stealth and remain atop the NLL standings. The Red Hot Toronto Rock were cooled off by the Roughnecks and a fantastic performance from Christian Del Bianco. The Rochester Nighthawks are falling fast and they've lost five in a row. And the Vancouver Stealth, well, they just picked up Pat Saunders. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have you here listening in. If you want to get a hold of me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me uh, on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. I don't do this enough, but uh, as always, got to give thanks to the folks here at Zone Control in Victoria, B.C., who allow me and Baird to come and invade their radio station for a couple hours every Tuesday. Uh, very thankful to all the folks here, and so is Bear because he gets a pretty quiet place to nap, and there's always good treats and good people here. So thanks to everybody here for letting us crash the party for a couple hours on a Tuesday. Some other things we will discuss quite possibly. Uh, Curtis Hodgson night in Vancouver this weekend is his Number six will go to the Raptors of the LEC. Uh, Pat Gregoire made his NLL TV debut uh, riding shotgun with Andy McNamara. So we'll quickly touch on his debut as well as the new look Twitter game of the week. We got a hypothetical question that came out of a discussion from Saturday night, sorry, Friday night in Colorado post game. And we maybe quickly touch on the WLA draft that goes. On Wednesday, Jake Elliott will have all the ins and outs of that draft. Uh, you can check it out, WLALacrosse.com, for more information. But let's quickly get back to the Nash Lacrosse League, where we had a slew of games on the docket just for a busy weekend this weekend coming up. But the four games from this past weekend were very interesting in their outcomes and the performances on the floor because every game was a good game. Even the Calgary-Toronto game, if you're not a Toronto fan or if you are a Toronto fan, probably wasn't the greatest of games. But there are great things to pull out of that game just for lacrosse fans. So we will dissect them all in a brief moments. We'll also have Pat Saunders on the show, the latest member and newest member of the Vancouver Stealth as he came over in a trade for Ryan Wagner. No, sorry, Thomas Hogarth. Wags is already a member of the Buffalo Bandits, former member of the Vancouver Stealth. So we'll have uh, Patty Saunders, the Arthur Ontario native on the show in a little while. He's excited to get back to the West Coast and play uh, another season at the LEC. Of course, he spent some time with the Langley Thunder of the WLA. But obviously, a lot of the focus of this weekend was on what the Saskatchewan Rush were going to do. They had a hellacious doubleheader. They played Friday night in Colorado, a 7.30 game. So by the time the game was over, it was 10 o'clock. By the time you get out of the hotel, it's probably, or by out of the arena, 
you're looking at another hour, so maybe 11. By the time you get some food, it's 12. Relax. Let your body settle down. It's like 1 o'clock. They had to be up, I think, at like 3.30 or something silly Saturday morning. Caught a plane. Flew from Denver, if what I'm told is correct, from Denver to Phoenix, and then from Phoenix to Saskatoon. Now, I'm not sure why there's a direct flight from Saskatoon to Phoenix, but not to Denver. Nonetheless, the rush didn't get in to Saskatoon until mid-afternoon, anywhere from 3.30 to 5.30, depending on which story you're listening to. But they landed, went straight to the rink, take on the Vancouver Stealth, and came away with two huge victories. 13-10 against Colorado in a game that went back and forth, and it was two three-goal runs in that fourth quarter that allowed Saskatchewan to pull away. And then an 11-9 victory at home over Vancouver to launch them atop the National Lacrosse League standings, solidified their spot atop the West, and are two full games ahead of Colorado now. They've won the season series tiebreaker with the Mammoth as well. So if Colorado wants any chance of first, they pretty much need to win out and have Saskatchewan lose three of the remaining 10 games. Doable? Yes. Likely? Meh. The game on Friday in Colorado was another treat to watch between these two clubs that are getting very used to playing each other. Saskatchewan continues to have Colorado's number. And it is those little runs that the Rush have been able to go on that continually kill any momentum that the Mammoth have. And on Friday night, after Jacob Rue had scored a huge power play goal on a major to Brett Mitski, the Mammoth had a two-goal lead with about just under f- just over five minutes to go in the third quarter. Then Chris Corbeil would score a shorthanded transition goal that would start a four-goal run that went through the third and fourth quarter and was highlighted by a pair of goals from Ryan Keenan, who would end the night with a career high of four goals. Keenan. It's a bump pick there from Matthews. Keenan dives, scores, and they'll call it a goal. And Keenan has four on the night, and it's a two-goal lead for Saskatchewan. But then Greer and Capito scored back-to-back in two minutes or so to tie things up. And the place was rocking. Two weeks ago in the Vancouver game, the, the Loud House was as expected. It was blowing up. And then when Noble scored that game winner, the place went bananas. When Joey Capito scored that tying goal at 10-10, it was one of the loudest eruptions I had heard inside the Pepsi Center. And everything felt like it was going to go Colorado's way that night. But unfortunately, right off of that draw, Matt Hosick picks up a loose ball, takes a In reality, it wasn't a good shot, but he caught Dylan Ward guessing, maybe not expecting the shot, and somehow the ball got through Dylan into the back of the net, killed all the momentum the Mammoth had, regained the lead for Saskatchewan. They'd scored two more, and that would be the game. 
it was another night where Colorado almost pulled it out. But the one thing that really stood out to me, and I mentioned this on Twitter the night the night after the game, or might have even been later after the game. Two quarters killed the Mammoth. That was it. The second and fourth, they were outscored 11-5 to five in those two quarters. And you cannot allow, and I said this, I've said this every time Colorado has played Saskatchewan. And Jamie Shuchuk and I mentioned it on the broadcast. You cannot allow the rush to go on multi-goal runs because they are just too good. And then after the game, I was talking with a couple of the players about it, and I said, it's not that the Mammoth can't beat the rush because they can. They have everything in the toolkit to beat the rush. What they don't have is that sort of killer instinct and that mental toughness that says, you know what? It's okay. Whether we're down two or they just came back and tied the, the game, we're just going to stick to our game plan. And that's what the rush does so well. They have such short memories that no matter what the score is, what the scenario is, they always believe the next goal is going to be theirs and that they are going to win games. And that mentality allows them to pull these games out like they did Friday and like they did the next night against Vancouver. And that game against Vancouver, it was 4 nothing for the rush at one point. And yeah, sure, everyone was like, oh, well, we've seen this before from the rush, and maybe they'll throw it away. Well, they kind of did, a little bit, but not really. But then they did, because Logan Schuss went on a tear. And when you allow Logan Schuss to get hot and to just fire at will, you're not going to do yourself or your goaltender any good. And when Logan gets in that groove, he is one of the best shooters in the game. But the funny thing is, is if you watch Logan shoot, maybe 45% of the time, he's not really even looking at the net. It's funny. I often bug him about that. He's kind of looking the defense off like he's going to pass and shoots it on net. It's very effective. But another thing that I've noticed is that everybody often preaches, you know, picking corners, hips and knees along the posts. Well, Logan isn't necessarily the most accurate shooter, but his technique is so different in his shot selection that it gets goalies leaning the wrong way. And he gets a lot of goals to go sort of either right past the goalie's head in the middle of the net, sneak him through the five hole, or short side bouncers. Like, his shots are effective, but it's not completely based solely on accuracy. It's just the fact that goaltenders are having a tough time figuring out where he's shooting from, which causes a lot of his shots to go in. It's incredibly effective. And he was on a roll Saturday night in Toontown. Parted three shorthanded goals this year. Oh. From the top, they tie it up. Logan shush again, and when you're hot, you're hot. Why not keep shooting? 
until Vent, until Saskatchewan's going to come out and stop him from shooting, he might as well do this. And keep shooting he did. As Logie would end the night with four goals and two assists, clearly the leading point getter for the Stealth that night and arguably their best player. And another night where Vancouver's offense let them down. When you get four goals from Schuss and one from Dutch and none from Small, that's a tough night. And Eric Penny got the start for Vancouver. Fresh, they were waiting. And they just, you, they didn't have that jump. And when you have a team that's flown all day and doesn't get to the arena until a few hours before game time, and you're all of a sudden down 4 nothing. It's not another good start for Vancouver. Loved the compete level to get all the way back to square at 9-9. But again, if there's no Logan Shuss, I'm not sure this game is even close. So an opportunity missed for the Vancouver Stealth. Uh, Got to give a shout-out to Tyler Carlson who saw his first real minutes the season and played the full game, stopped 39, let in nine, and was solid. And I think that's a very reassuring thing for GM and head coach Derek Keenan because if you read Marty O'Neill's column on Inside the Cross this past week talking about the perils of goaltending, Three teams, Georgia, Colorado, and Saskatchewan, have really been steady with their number ones. And their backups don't get a lot of time. And when that happens, you never really know how that backup's going to be when you force them into action. Well, you can scratch that worry off the list. As Tyler Carlson was fantastic, giving Evan Kirk the night off. Picked up his first win of the season, and the rush took two from the West and are two games clear. And they are stamping themselves as the team to beat in the NLL again. The road will go through Toontown, and every team is going to have to be ready to face that juggernaut. Now, the other games in the National Lacrosse on the weekend. Calgary... And Toronto. I love these contests. Every time these two teams play, it's a great game. And ever since Toronto first came into the league and there was a opposite Canadian team in Calgary, you knew there was going to be the rivalry. And you knew that rivalry was going to build every single year. And it's done that. We may not have the fisticuffs like we did back in the day. But the talent and skill level and the quality of lacrosse is still there, which makes for incredible matchups and makes for great lacrosse games. And we got that Saturday night at the ACC. When I first saw Christian Del Bianco as the starter, I was very happy because the kid deserves it. And I think... He will get the nod again when they take on Colorado this weekend at home. And I think it was good for Christian Del Bianco to get that start and get that win on the road. 
Now that when he comes back to the Saddle Dome, the nerves will be a little bit less. And I think he'll be able to acclimate himself to the environment a little better. He faced one of the most lethal offenses in the National Crosley. He'll go up against another one this weekend. But he played absolutely stellar all game long and was fantastic. The entire game, Christian Del Bianco looked cool, composed, collected, didn't let anything bother him, made 47 saves on 55 shots, gave up eight. What a fantastic performance. And with saves like this, you know he was in the zone. Accepted. Craig, loose ball. Schreiber behind the back alone. Del Bianco with another fantastic stop. Del Bianco has not given up a goal since, what was it, Pat? The 12-something mark in the third? That is correct, Mr. McNamara. It was a lifetime between Toronto Rock goals. So much so, they didn't score in the entire fourth quarter alone. The last time that they scored was the Schreiber goal at 12.50 in the third quarter. Quickly do the math. That's 17 minutes and 10 seconds of shutout lacrosse by Christian Del Bianco, and the Roughnecks snapped their losing skid, get a much-needed win, and some much-needed distance between them and the Vancouver Stealth because they are now a game and a half ahead of Vancouver for that all-important third playoff spot in the NLL West. And that's how quickly these gaps can grow. One solid performance by a guy can turn your fortunes around, can turn your season around. And for Calgary, the win couldn't have come at a better time. As as mentioned, they come back home to take on the Calgary Roughnecks. Nope. The Colorado Mammoth. While the Stealth have another game against the Saskatchewan Rush. The gap could get even wider between those two clubs. If Calgary can win and if Saskatchewan beats the Stealth at home. But back to the Calgary game. One other thing we need to talk about. And that is the play of Dane freaking Doby. He may not be your stereotypical looking lacrosse player. But Dane Doby gets the job done. And he was playing on another level on Saturday night. And the goals that he was scoring were just ridiculous. Coming out from the wrong side of his net, looking away from the goal, throwing it behind the back, and doing it with ease. And now that he's got the rock score or the roughneck scoring record, he's just going to continue to pad his stats. But it's not like he's being greed or anything. There is no greed in Dane Doby. It is just a fire to compete and a will to want it more than others. And it was a true treat to watch him do his thing on Saturday night because when he is on, just like guys like Logan Schuss and Curtis Dixon and Dane Smith and Jeremy Noble and Ryan Banesh and Lyle Thompson and the list goes on and on. When guys get in a groove, it's tough to stop them. But when the elite players in the league 
start to get some momentum and start to feel that swagger, it's awesome to watch. And Dane Doby was really walking the walk the other night. Uh, speaking of swagger, uh, anybody see the swag from Latrell Harris? What a steal at 12th overall, by the way. And when you listen to this audio uh, from that draft year, it's from the Toronto Rock draft table. And you hear them say, you know what? We got a guy, and I, I don't know who they're talking about, who they were thinking about. They basically say, we have this guy who's great, or we have a guy who we think is the sky's the limit, and we should take a gamble on him. And I love the fact that we have this audio, for one, and two, that they did take the gamble on Latrell Harris because he has become a phenomenal National Lacrosse League talent. I'm willing to take a risk. Me too. On Latrell. Like I said, you've got one guy who's more of a sure thing and the other guy we think the sky's the limit for him. The way we're built and what we're talking, I think you go for the risk. Let's do it. Write him down. Write him down, says Jamie Dowick. That was a conversation that was between Bruce Codd, Matt Sawyer, the rest of the scout table for The Rock, and Jamie Dowick. And we don't get many of those inside looks in the National Lacrosse League. We get them in all the other pro sports. That's something we don't usually see in the NLL from the draft. But it was great to be able to hear them say, hey, you know what? We got a guy who we think is a sure thing. But we also believe that the way our team is built and the upside that Latrell Harris has, let's take a gamble on the kid. And at the time, he was still in high school. And two years later, he's become one of their most reliable defenders. Uh, a great, poised transition player. And damn right, the sky's the limit. This kid is going to be a star for years to come. And what a great job by the Rock Group to get him, bring him in, and use him for what he is. And that is just an absolute raw talent. And great upside. And he scored a huge goal in transition. That game continues to score big goals in transition for Toronto. But unfortunately for them, uh, on that night, wasn't quite enough. And it was probably the first time we've seen the Toronto Rock look human. Much like people saying, you know, when the Rush lost a few weeks ago, oh, well, they can be beat. Well, the Rock can be beat too. And there are ways to shut that offense down. And kudos to Kurt Miloski and his D coach, Rob Williams, who found a game plan to limit the stars for the Toronto Rock. Rob Hellier, yeah, great. He had an awesome game, three goals, one assist. He was their best player. Brett Hickey had one. Adam Jones had one. Schreiber had one. And they did a marvelous job of not allowing those guys to get clean shots. And they scooped up rebounds. And they cleared the front of the net. And they took care of the ball when they needed it. And they came away with a huge, huge win. Now, the final game of the weekend. In a game where Rochester and Buffalo played to the death, we once again got a look at how awesome this rivalry is and how truly great the two fan bases are. And also, 
when teams do jerseys right, how good they look. And I will say that the Rochester Nighthawks military appreciation night jerseys were incredible. And the Bandits jerseys, while they took a while to grow on me, were also incredible. I like the clean look of both of them. I would love to see Rochester keep those jerseys. Those off gray with the shield logo and the native head coming out of the top. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful jersey. And the two teams put on a fantastic game. Alex Bouquet and Matt Vince went toe-to-toe battling each other all night. Uh, Bouquet, 45 saves. Matt Vince, 32. The shots, 49-48. So while the saves are a bit different, the shots kind of rectify that. But there was one player. One player who stood out above all the rest. And he scored some really, really pretty goals. Behind the net to Byrne. He shoots and scores. Josh Byrne dunks it home from behind the net. And it's 13-10 with 2.1 seconds to go. The number one overall draft pick in the most recent draft would score five on the night, his best night as a National Lacrosse League pro player, and he was unstoppable. There's the one goal where he scores, I believe it's the fourth quarter, where he gets around one defender and being pushed down the outside lane and then makes a stutter step and a hard plant with his right foot and somehow slips back inside the two defenders and then is able to tiptoe the line and beat Vince. Just a phenomenally poetic, graceful goal. And he was that way all night long. And the Bandits' offense is starting to find some cohesion. Dane Smith starting to look like the Dane of old. Callum Crawford slowly, slowly finding his role with that club. It's probably a little different for him. Used to being a guy who quarterbacks an offense and holds on to the ball a lot. Now has to become a mobile pick-and-roll grinder type of guy. And if he can adjust to that role, and with the emergence of Byrne as a true threat, with Mitch Jones playing as a true number one go-to guy on the left-hand side, with the emergence and insurance policy that is Jordan Durston because that guy will get you resets, that guy will make big plays. It's allowed Pat Saunders to become expendable in that offense. And it's funny when you think about it because last year, Saunders was brought over from New England to help fix that offense in Buffalo. And now he finds himself on the outside looking in. It only factored into about four games for Buffalo, had seven points. And just like that, he's traded again. And for young players, it's never easy to be traded in your career, especially three, four times in your career. It can be damaging to young players because it can be a huge mental thing. But if you're mentally strong enough and you can accept each new change and new team as a challenge to get better and prove those before you wrong, then you can have great success. And Pat Saunders is a former 40-goal scorer in the National Lacrosse League. I think he will be accepted quite nicely with the Vancouver Stealth. 
because he's not a guy that needs the ball on his stick a lot. He will get you rebounds. He'll cut through the middle. He'll set picks. And that's what Logan Schuss and Corey Small need. They need somebody who will bang and crash. And Pat Saunders can be that guy. Do I think he's Jordan Durston? No. They're two different types of players. But Pat Saunders is the guy that will get to the front of the net. He'll get dirty. He'll get greasy. He'll find you second chances. And give you a couple points a night. And unfortunately for Vancouver, they haven't been getting that from Messenger or the recently introduced Casey Jackson. So, Pat Saunders and I had a little chat on Tuesday. First of all, us out on the island are enjoying great weather. I was golfing the other day, so I wanted to make him feel bad. And I asked him, how's the weather out east? A little cold. Uh, <laughs> it's quite snowy. Uh, looking forward to the Vancouver weather. Yeah, I was going to say, you're looking forward to getting uh, back out west as a member of the Vancouver Stealth. Yeah, I am. Uh, they play in Langley there, where I'm pretty familiar with, uh, playing two summers for the Langley Thunder. So got some friends coming to the game on the weekend and uh, excited to get started. Did you know, did you have any idea that, that you were being uh, maybe on the blocks or that a trade might be in the works uh, with Buffalo? Um, No, not really. Like, as a player, I've uh, been around the league for a while and um, I think I am a pretty good asset for a lefty, and lefties are kind of hard to come by. So, yeah. um, obviously, you know, not playing in Buffalo makes it, uh, you know, you kind of think about it could happen. Um, I never really thought about it. I just, you know, was it there to be a team guy and a depth guy in Buffalo? And uh, it ended up that, uh, you know, Buffalo kind of looked at it as, uh, you know, I shouldn't be sitting out and I should be playing, and uh, it kind of made sense to move me um, and they get a bit of a depth chart on their transition side so um, it's kind of one of those things that that sports some guys yeah. uh, stay for a while some guys come and go so as a guy that has been traded in, in my career I was on part of uh, you know four different teams in my six years but it, it's never easy when you get that call to even trade it but it's always nice to know that there is a team out there that wants your service yeah, it's uh, obviously I just got traded to Buffalo last mm. season. Um, so I think it's about a year now I was in Buffalo. Um, it was nice and close to home and kind of everything I was asking for. And it just didn't work out there. And now it's, uh, you know, that feeling of someone wanting you, you know, it's uh, exciting. And also going to play for two coaches, I have good experience with either playing summer lacrosse or playing with. So mm. um, that's another thing, you know, the the fami- just being familiar with uh, the coaches, that kind of, you know, you know what they want, expect out of guys, so you can kind of go in there with the comfort of knowing instead of coming in with new coaches and not really knowing what they're like. Yeah, I don't, I don't think maybe fans really understand how important that is, especially from a player's um, viewpoint of going into a into a, a new team that at least the system will be familiar and there'll be some familiar faces. Yeah, it's it's big as a player. Like chemistry, obviously, is a little bit bigger, and that's gonna have to be built uh, from uh, Friday's practice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and I've played for Milligan for uh, a few uh, years there in Philly and in New England, and um, he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for because he's uh, kind of the one guy that got me back into this league. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him, and I have a lot of respect for all the offensive players there in uh, Vancouver. There's a lot of talent there, and their record doesn't show um, how good they are. You, you speak about that offense. Now you're going to get in to work with guys like Corey Small and 
and, and Logan Schuss with that lefty side. How excited are you to join two guys that are uh, pretty potent at putting the ball in the back of the net? Really stoked. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's one of those things, right? Like, as my kind of game, I kind of set picks and bounce around and, mm-hmm. um, you know, having guys like Small and Logan, like, it's so hard for a D to, you know, just key in on one of them. And if all three of us can put the ball in the net, it just makes it that much tougher. And it actually helps each uh, guy to get more shots because if I go in and score a few and then Logan gets a few and then Corey gets a few, like, how do you stop that? Yeah. You mentioned you're a bit of a banger and crasher. Uh, what can fans expect from you uh, at the LEC this weekend? Um, just high energy. I'm going to come with a lot of energy. Obviously, uh, I'm played, uh, since the fast team and mm-hmm. um, excited to you know just show the fans that uh, I can put the ball in the net and uh, help uh, open up other guys. What does it do to you mentally, and what do you learn um, from games when you're having to sit out and watch? Uh, it's mentally sometimes frustrating as a player. Like we're all competitors, we all want to be on the floor, we all want to produce. Um, so I took it as a, you know, I, this is pretty new to me. I've never really had to deal with a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So to stay positive, um, the biggest thing is you can't be negative because you won't be in this league very long if you're a negative player. Um, you got to be a team guy, and it, it really sucked uh, not playing, but also you got to look at it as, you know, there's a lot of depth mm-hmm. if you're not playing. So um, I don't really know if there's much else than that. You just got to take it as it is, and when you get in the – you know, you you want it that much more. How much did John Tavares teach you and instill in you in your in your brief time with Buffalo? Uh, a lot. He's uh, he's got a great mind there. Um, he's always joking around. You never know if he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you never know if he's serious or if he's joking around. So sometimes that was a little tricky. But no, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Uh, you know a brilliant mind, and he never took uh, anything away from any player. He was very creative on the side of if you can create something take it um and i really respect that because uh that goes a long way with uh, the player and coach relationship absolutely you mentioned uh, we were talking about your relationship with millie and how you have a relationship with him but you also have a relationship with the lec you mentioned a couple years with the thunder um it's gonna be nice for you to get back out west and see some familiar faces yeah it is i uh, always love coming uh, to the lec there and it's kind of one of those arenas that just feels like home. I don't know what it is. Even on a road game, it felt like yeah. home. I've always had pretty good nights, actually, in that arena. So um, I'm, I'm excited, like, coming in Thursday night, get there, see, uh, you know, Doug Walker and yeah. the guys that are there and get to see some of the boys. And then uh, practice is Friday. So I'm just excited. And it should be a good game on Saturday with uh, Sask, who's, uh, you know, a good team. What was the what was the conversation like between you and Locker when the trade was made? Uh, it was good. It was uh, positive. He yeah. was just kind of going over what they were expecting, and uh, just he was excited to have a veteran lefty come in and give him a helping hand. And it was kind of the same feeling as you know, I was excited to uh, be a part of a team uh, that wanted me, and we had a great conversation probably for forty five minutes. And awesome. uh, it's been we talk still every day. Still every day. That's always a good thing when you have that open communication and, and and being a lefty is something that this this side's needed to Vancouver stuff. They needed that third lefty ever since Thurston left. They've tried Messner, they've tried Jackson, hasn't really worked out. Are you excited to be in a role where where you're gonna be utilized to your strengths? 
Uh, yep. Like, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily have to play anywhere. I, I like the challenge of, you know, if, if you put me on the crease or if you put me somewhere else, like I'm going to embrace it and, you know, do my best and, uh, adapt to where they put me. And it's kind of one of those things that, you know, Logan and Corey Small are both excellent shooters and, you know, that's kind of where they're going to be. And by rights, they deserve to be there. So mm-hmm. it's more or less, uh, to build chemistry and just, you know, feed off them. You've uh, been in some interesting markets in your your National Lacrosse League career with with Philly and, and a quick stint in Rochester, New England, Buffalo. Now you get to go to the LEC. Um, what's been your favorite home barn so far? Home barn, uh, that's a tough one. Um, real tough, obviously. I've I like playing out in LEC due to you know I got friends and stuff. I get a see out there that um, I built over the summers playing there. Um, Philly was great. Obviously, you get uh, that old school. Um, they just have crazy fans that are yeah. passionate and obviously in bandit land there, it's the same thing. Um, I don't know if I have one that's my favorite. Um, yeah. no, I, I just enjoy, you know, going out and having a good crowd there that gets behind their team and that's about it. Absolutely. Do you remember your first national cross league goal? Uh, yes, it was in Toronto with Philadelphia wings. Who'd you score it on? Um, I do believe it was Matt Reich. Oh, really? Yes, when he that's was in a, Toronto there. Yeah, that's always a good one. Um, is that is that sort of a, still a, a career highlight for you, that first goal? Um, it was kind of a tough one. I actually only played one game that year. Um, I got called in, uh, I do believe uh, one of their lefties in Philly got suspended and they needed a lefty, so it was kind of a one game and done there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of special to, you know, it was a big uh, goal for them. I think it was either a game winner or a tire. Um, and, you know, Brody Merrill and Dan Dawson and guys like that were uh, on that team. And, yeah. you know, they were they were super pumped and they were positive. And even after I got let go, they all reached out and, you know, said, keep going and uh, you'll make this league. You've also spent some time with, uh, with sort of the quote-unquote minor leagues of the professional indoor lacrosse. What did time in, in the ALL and CLACs help you learn about your game? Um, it's it's always good to to play, I find. I When that CLAC started up, I wasn't really sure if I was going to play in it. and It ended up, it was more of uh, lacrosse guys just love to play lacrosse. Yeah. And as soon as you get together with a group of guys that just love the sport, like how do you not want to show up hmm. and play? And it was kind of one of those things that I wasn't playing in the in the pros and I could get out in the winter time and, uh, keep playing and got lucky that, uh, it helped me to become an NLL guy because then teams could see me play. So Absolutely. I think it's a great system for guys that can play. Cause obviously, you know, with the nine team league last few years, injuries happen and mm-hmm. you need someone and if teams can see you play, it, it's great. Like it's been a great league for, uh, even young guys that are, you know, in their last couple of years of junior that kind of want some experience against older guys. I think it uh, is a great development league there. Absolutely. Um, off the floor, uh, you got a little personal carpentry business that's, keep, that's keeping you busy? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty good. I renovated a uh, house for my parents uh, this summer and then a bunch of bathrooms and kitchens and things like that. Um, it keeps me uh, fairly busy uh, while I'm not playing. So here's a here's a great way to plug your business for other lacrosse guys. How can they find your business so that you can make their home as good as possible? Um, I got a Facebook page, so Instruction, but uh, just 
basically message out and we can figure something out. Um, awesome. Suit, suits is always bugging me. So. <laughs> well, now you get a chance to, to, to see him face-to-face and get him on your payroll. Yeah, yeah. Saunders, uh, Patty, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, so glad to see you back in the league and, and getting a chance with the Vancouver South. They're going to be very happy to have you. So good luck this weekend, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Teddy. There's Pat Saunders now of the Vancouver Stealth. If you want to hear more from Pat, Jake and Brad will have him on Stealth Classified this week. And I know they're excited to have him on and have him in a Stealth uniform this weekend when they take on the Saskatchewan Rush. And again, that is a huge game for the Vancouver Stealth. It's also, I have a feeling, a huge game for Coach Jamie Batley. Can he survive one and eight? That's a massive question. But there are more important things surrounding the Vancouver Stealth that are going on Saturday night. And that will be the retirement of the number six jersey of longtime captain Curtis Hodgson. And Hodgie is a pro's pro, a gentleman's gentleman, a lacrosse player's lacrosse player. A guy that has done it all for this franchise ever since they were in San Jose. Uh, He's won Champions Cups with them. He's lost Champions Cups with them. He's made two different moves with the franchise. And will go down as one of the organization's best ever players. He will be the first ever player to have his jersey retired by the Stealth franchise. And nobody could be more deserving than Curtis Hodgson. I've often felt that Lewis Ratcliffe's jersey should be a number that the organization hangs up. And I think many others feel that way too. But how can you deny what Curtis Hodgson did for this group from a defensive standpoint and from an off-the-floor standpoint? All the work he did was stick to schools and the youth programs and day camps that they did. Hodgie was there time in and time out. Always gave himself to the fans, always gave back to the community, and was just a true face for that franchise. Always up to ask questions and chat and have conversations about the good and the bad that was going on with the club. But when he pulled that jersey on and he stepped onto that floor, he was all business, man. Cagey, steady, reliable, could score in transition, understood how to take care of the ball when he was running up the floor, knew the situations. That man learned so much from a guy like Chris Hall that it took helped take his game to another level. And he became a better person and a better lacrosse player. And it showed as his career went on. Because, you know what, two, three years ago, he probably could have shut it down. But he continually wanted to see the Vancouver Stealth and this community see a Champions Cup team and get that team back to the Champions Cup final like they were when they were in Washington. And so Saturday night will be a great night to honor Curtis Hodgson. And if you're there, enjoy it because it's going to be a fun night. And hopefully the Vancouver Stealth can put on another performance like they did on this past Saturday weekend in Saskatoon. And fingers crossed for Stealth fans, they play 60 minutes. Because that will be a big difference maker in that game. 
other games on the weekend. Buffalo at New England. Strangely enough, it's a battle for first place. New England sits atop the NLL at least a half game above both Toronto and Buffalo. Toronto takes on Rochester. Rochester, I do not know what is up with this club right now. They have lost five straight games. They're two and five. Everyone thought, great, the Nighthawks are back. I thought it. I thought, you know what? Kyle Jackson, Dan Dawson, Vitarelli's back, Jammer's back. This group is going to be successful. Well, not so much. They're scoring okay. They're the third highest scoring team in the East. They've let in the second most goals in the East. They haven't gotten the consistency out of their back end that they thought they would have. And over the past few weeks, the team just hasn't been able to find a way to win. And that has to be very concerning for Mike Hazen because another year of missing the playoffs isn't good in Rochester. And if they don't make the playoffs, I think you see some serious changes in the offseason. Paul Day will pick that team apart and try to find guys to come play in Philadelphia. And having lost five straight games, the morale in that room cannot be good. And now they have to welcome Toronto to town. And it could be their sixth straight loss playing against a team that they don't match up well against at all. And to make matters worse, they got to go to Georgia right after to take on the Swarm downtown. Downtown. Down south. Maybe they'll be on the same flight because Georgia's in Buffalo Saturday night as well. That would be a fun time. I was talking about that with some of the guys about the Colorado-Saskatchewan fiasco a couple years ago where there was a storm down in Denver and the Rush and Mammoth were playing a true doubleheader on back-to-back nights and the Rush had a plan to charter out the night after the game like on a red-eye. Colorado was due to fly out the next day because there was a snowstorm. They split the cost of the charter flight and they were on the same plane to Saskatoon from Denver. Never seen it happen before in the National Lacrosse League. I'd love to see it, though. That must have been one heck of a plane ride. Back to things. So, yes, Buffalo, New England, Friday. And then on Saturday, you have four games. Georgia at Buffalo, Toronto at Rochester, Colorado at Calgary, Saskatchewan at Vancouver. And then on Sunday, not reserved for the NFL anymore since that's all said and done, it's Rochester and Georgia. I'm really looking forward to Colorado-Calgary because now that, you know, Calgary's found themselves some legs, they're only a game and a half behind Calgary now, or sort of behind Colorado now. So they could make up some big ground if they can knock off the Colorado Mammoth. Christian Del Bianco, most likely going to get the start. It'll be Dylan Ward at the other end for Colorado again. I would expect to see Stephen Keogh in the lineup for Colorado for the duration, because he had his best game as a mammoth the other night. Three goals, three assists, was just a beast. And those are the types of games he needs to play. 
run through guys, get to the floor, take shots, and do your thing. And all you young players out there, if you want to learn how to get a consistent role in the NLL, watch Stephen Keogh highlights and just watch how he plays. I was talking with one of the younger guys with the Mammoth after the game, and they often and they were the the common thought that they had was the common thought that they had was that they need to do a better job of crashing the net. And I said to him, you're always going to be the low guy. So you always have that okay to pressure the ball, to crash the net, to look for loose balls. If you're the low guy, that's a green light to stay and work. And that's what Stephen Keogh does. He's the low guy. He tries to get underneath. He tries to get to the front of the net. He sets picks. He bangs and crashes. He'll fight for everything. And once that shot's gone, he will try and find every loose ball that he can because when he does, he scores goals like this. Banesh, shot. Oh, Kirk made a right hand. Oh, Keo, is it in? It is. Oh, my goodness. Hello versus NLO Play of the Week as Keo gets a hat trick and ties us up at six with an incredible backhand goal. That was his hat trick. And a fantastic goal at that for Stephen Keogh. And those are hard work goals. All you young players, hard work goals supersede everything. We'll always get you a pat on the back, a pat on the back, and will always earn you the praises of your coaches. So keep that in mind. So that was last week. The game's coming up. Here's some things to think on. As we move towards Wednesday night, which is the uh, the Western Lacrosse Association draft, um, number one pick, Connor Robinson. After that, all I really have an idea is that Victoria is going to take Cole Pickup at four. That's truly all I know about the WLA draft right now. I don't have a list of eligible players. But we do know that the WLA season will start at the end of May. May 24th, I believe, is the exact date as the WLA also announced its schedule. So we have the draft on Wednesday. The regular season kicks off in March. And they also have a new logo, does the Western Lacrosse Association. A little revamp of the logo that they brought out last year. And you know what? It's a logo. I'm not sold on it. It's not my favorite thing. I was fine with the logo they had two years ago. But nonetheless, they have a new logo. They have a new draft coming up Wednesday. Again, Jake Elliott will have the call. And we have a new schedule as the WLA season will kick off May 23rd as the Burnaby Lakers will visit the Langley Thunder. And that is the beginning to the road the Man Cup, which, this being an even year, will be in the province of Ontario. Side note, in the province of British Columbia this year, at the end of August and the early parts of September, the President's Cup will be held in Nanaimo. The Timmerman will be your 2018 President's Cup hosts. They are working on some details, but it's going to be August 26th to the 2nd of September. Eight teams, 36 games, and one champion. Rumors are that there will be free webcasts of all the games. 
and you might just hear some familiar faces broadcasting those games from Nanaimo. We'll keep you updated as things get ironed out closer to the date. Other things to ponder since we are winding down the show here. Um, Another conversation uh, that was brought up Friday night after the game in Colorado. And I've talked about this before. And it's it's about blocked shots because uh, I was sitting with some of the D guys and we were actually watching the game. Uh, it was on repeat in the establishment that we were in. So we were just kind of sitting back watching it and breaking things down and just watching the number of guys that soaked shots from the outside. And I said, man, that has to be a stat next year. Like it's got to be. Guys are doing too much to not get credit for that. And one of the guys said, well, here's a hypothetical situation. Maybe they're not keeping track of shots blocked in lacrosse because they don't want kids diving in front of 100-mile-an-hour shots because we have a, don't have a lot of pads. It's possible. They don't want youth players hurting themselves, so they don't encourage blocked shots by keeping it as a stat. It's a good way to think about it. But I I truly believe that it's only been in the past few years that guys have really started to do it. And truly, it's a lot lot coming from guys who were former hockey D guys that were blocking shots anyway. So blame hockey for guys wanting to block shots. Interesting, though. A PR move. They don't want to promote kids getting hurt by blocking shots. Maybe. Um, I talked about broadcasters. Uh, Pat Gregoire uh, was riding shotgun with Andy McNamara. Uh, I thought Smoke and Patty did a great job. If you don't know Smoke and Patty, watch NLL Relax with Ashley Dawkins and Tyson Geick and Mr. Gregoire. And Pat is a voice that has called Ontario games before uh, for the MLS. And... Sorry, MSL. I caught myself. The MSL. Um, and he knows this stuff. He's been doing uh, lacrosse for a while. And I thought he did a quite a good job filling in for Shanahan, who was in Saskatoon riding shotgun with Brendan Glasheen on the NLL Game of the Week Twitter broadcast. So um, some new faces, some new guys stepping into new roles and a new era, I guess you could say, for the National Lacrosse League with having a dedicated national broadcasting team for Twitter games, and I like that they're bringing in some guys uh, to fill in spots that kind of have um, some background with the game of lacrosse. So shout out to Patty Gregoire and, and Brendan Glasheen. Welcome to the world of National Lacrosse League games. Uh, it's fast moving, my friend. So um, nicely done. Welcome. I'm glad Shani was there to help christen your voice to the NLL, and we'll see you around soon. I'm sure we will, and I know we will see you at a National Lacrosse League rink soon. My name has been Teddy Jenner. Thank you to you for stopping in and listening. Of course, thanks to Pat Saunders for stopping by and joining the show. It was a pleasure to catch up with him as always. He's been on the show before, and I'm glad that he is back in the National Lacrosse League. Vancouver Stealth fans, you just got yourself a real beauty. There are six games on the NLL docket this week. Once again, it all starts on Friday. Buffalo at New England. Followed by Georgia at Buffalo, Toronto, Rochester, Colorado, Calgary, and Saskatchewan and Vancouver on Saturday. And then Sunday, Rochester hosts, sorry, Rochester visits the Georgia Swarm. 
Uh, your top two point getters in the National Lacrosse League gets a tie. Mark Matthews and Adam Jones sitting on 49 points each. Jonesy played one last game. And then right behind them, Robert Church and Dane Smith, two points back. Tom Schreiber sits at 46, three points back. That will do it for another episode of the OTCB podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. Teddy.jenner at gmail.com is the email. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. Until next time, be excellent to each other.